You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Um, This morning, we lit the peace candle of Advent. And so the the theme of, of Advent for us this year is waiting on Christmas. And so for this morning, it would be waiting in peace, waiting in peace for peace, okay? Waiting in peace for peace. Some people don't mind waiting. I've met one or two of them. Most people don't like to wait. And this seems especially true after COVID, right? When would have you thought you'd have to walk into a restaurant and there would be a sign saying, please treat our people nicely? Right? Isn't it crazy that the, the, the level of belligerence and the level of anxiety in our culture is skyrocketing? Um, we would all kind of recognize that when you wait too long on something, it does impact the overall experience, right? Occasionally you might say, well, that was worth the wait. But more often is, that wasn't worth waiting for, right? Um, We most often associate the virtue of patience with waiting, but I actually think that waiting patiently is more about perspective than it is about patience, right? The perspective of waiting patiently is, and no one's gonna like to hear this, is that we're not the most important person in the room with the most pressing need, right? And so if we can gain that perspective, it makes, it makes waiting a little differently. And when we talk about Advent, Advent and the season of waiting isn't the idea that the perspective is, is we're not the most important people with the most important need. It's that there is something waiting for us worth waiting for, right? That's the perspective of waiting. Why would you celebrate a season of waiting, right? Well, it, it, it's not a waiting like, is this going to happen or, or when is it going to happen as much as it is a, an assured longing anticipation for something that we know is going to happen. In a theological sense, it is called the already not yet season, that we already have experienced Christ with his birth and then with the personal relationship that we have available to us in Christ. That's the already. The not yet is we only experience him in part. One day we will see him fully. We, we, we only experience peace, love, joy, hope, light in part now in this already season. But the not yet is we're going to experience them in a much greater measure. Advent is a resource and it's a reminder in our 24-7, 365 grind that there is something else waiting for us. Before there was, uh, but there was a significant time gap right between Genesis and the Gospels. Between Genesis and the Gospels, they had to live in the hope of a promise. And that's all they had was a promise. I say that's all they had. But each subsequent time that God would intervene in their life, each subsequent time that God would provide, it was an assurance of, hey, hold on, it, it, I'm real and it's coming. The, Christ lives in a very short time frame, right? 33-ish years that we have only those people in that region for those three decades get to live with the experience of Christ in the flesh and then for the rest of us from generation on generation, 
We live with a future promise that he will return, and yet we still live in it differently because we have more than just a promise. We have an answered promise to help us with the promise, right? So 2 Corinthians 1 through 20, or 1, 20 through 22, Paul gives us this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, amen, we, we will say it routinely in church per se, but amen means so be it. Whenever you say amen to something, you're agreeing with what's being said. Um, you, you are saying so be that or, or you know, right? so, so it's not just a, a perfunctory word to use. So he's saying that all the promises that God made are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The deposit is because we're, that's our already, right? And so how do you live in peace waiting on peace? Well, we live in that standing firm in the promise of Christ. Um, someone more patient than I counted the promises in Scripture, and at least in one person's uh, calculator, they came up with 8,810 promises in Scripture. That's a lot of promises. And that doesn't include any personal promises God has made to you and your family. And in that passage of Scripture in Corinthians, it says all of those promises were answered in Christ. Maybe even this morning, you have prayed and asked God to do something in your family. And possibly, maybe even today, you have heard or will hear his answer to those prayers. And you can stand firm, as Paul has said, in the promise of Christ coming the first time that those promises will be fulfilled. You've heard the phrase, slow as Christmas. All right. The younger you are, the slower Christmas comes. All right. The older you are, the faster Christmas comes, right? We just sold Christmas trees like six months ago is what it feels like, right? So, so, so this idea of slow as Christmas um, is a real thing for some. And for our, for our text today, it was really a real thing. So the text today is Luke 1, 5 through 25. So if you don't want to read them all on the screen, you know, you got your little screens in front of you. You got your Bible. So it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So they, both husband and wife uh, have come up in this priestly line. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they both were very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by law, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Say that with me. Say it this way. Wait. My prayer has been heard. Ready? My prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Are you, are you getting, are, don't, don't let the context escape you. I'll get into the context a little deeper. But they were childless. They were both old, past the time of bearing children. And the promise comes not just um, generically. Look how specific the angel is about what this promise is going to do. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along with yours. That's a very polite way to say that, isn't it, guys? <laughs> Let's learn that lesson. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak, and today this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Boy, significant. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, first version of Pictionary, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, significant two words. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months uh, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away the disgrace among my people. I know it's easy to jump to Jesus with the Christmas story, but the Christmas story doesn't begin with Jesus. It doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph. The Christmas story begins with Zachariah and Elizabeth and with John, um, they would give birth to John the Baptist, who was prophesied in the Old Testament, which we'll get to in a minute. So Zechariah was a priest. Priests served in the temple, representing God uh, to the people and people to God. And I would say that it was never an easy job. Through all the ups and downs of Israel, priests performed their duties, representing the people before God and God to the people. In the highest of highs, and the lowest of lows, they did their duty in the temple. To burn incense at, at, um, was the highest privilege in the priest, outside of the high priest who would enter into the Holy of Holies. This was the pinnacle job of a priest. And it would only generally happen once in your lifetime. And so on this occasion, at this appointed time, Zechariah, the lot falls on him and he is the one that will represent the people. Because the burning of the incense was the prayers of the people. So he was bringing to this table the prayers of a nation. Now, I don't know if, um, if he was phoning this in because he's carrying the weight of his own unanswered prayer? You don't, I don't know if he's phoning it in because for 400 years, 
priest had been going to the altar, lighting the incense of the prayers of the people, but since the end of the prophet Malachi's life, there had been no answer from God. Silence. You want to talk about the middle? Trying to represent yourself and represent a nation in the middle of God's silence. I guarantee you that if I took a poll in the room or online today, each of us have lived in that silence. Each of us have lived in that middle where we don't hear a thing. And yet, something still tells me that Zechariah wasn't just phoning it in. That somehow he kind of locked in because he knew this was a significant thing to do. And yet he had no idea that this time in the temple was going to be a life changer. Not just for him and, and Elizabeth, but for everyone and it made me think as I wrote that this morning, how many times do we tune in to the service if you're traveling or you're not, not feeling well? Um, or how many times do you get up on a Sunday morning and what is the motivation to get here? All right, it's a variety and it changes probably any given week. But I wonder, I wonder how many times is it this could be the day that changes everything. This is the anticipation in which we wait for Christ. This could be the day that changes everything. Both the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, talk about waiting in the sense that that Jesus, will, his return will be like a thief in the night. Matthew Mark uses keeping the wicks trimmed of your oil and not being caught off guard because there is a, a holy anticipation because one promise has been fulfilled that the other promise is going to be fulfilled. Now that's the big picture thing. The smaller picture is even in our own lives. Do, do we live in an anticipation for God's response to us in our prayer. Because based on Zachariah's interaction with this angel, Zachariah did not. And it's to be expected. This is a long gone prayer that he prayed. I'm wondering, did he throw up one last Hail Mary? It's possible, right? One last Hail Mary, I'm here representing the whole nation. Let me bring this one back up, God. It's possible. Doubt, doubtful, doubtful. What weight had he had to carry that particular day? Because those kind of prayers don't go away. Those kind of longings don't go away. Now, we can resolve them. We can put them to the side sometimes in our life and just say, well, that's just not meant to be. I get all of us have had to do those too. But, but, you, but you know there was some kind of heaviness that he brings. And the God breaks the silence of 400 years and he tells them, he tells them, your prayer has been heard. What interesting language there. Some of the expectation would be, I hear the prayers that are being prayed for the nation. Right? We kind of could expect that. That would be great affirmation of what he's doing. And yet, that's not what the angel says. And that's not what the answer he's bringing. Your prayer has been heard. When 
was the last time Zechariah would have gotten out that prayer. There's no telling, really, right? When did he stop praying that prayer? When did him and Elizabeth just, it is what it's going to be? And I really feel like, I don't, I don't feel like there's ever any coincidences, so I believe there's someone in the room today, someone watching online, someone who watches this a month from now, that the angel of the Lord is saying to you, your prayer has been heard. And what's interesting is, Zechariah then has to live in a whole other gap, right? There's a new gap now. He's received the promise, and yet there's going to be a gap before he sees the promise. So it makes sense that he would have this questioning heart. How in the world are you going to do this? It's interesting between Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah, we have people on the opposite ends of, of the birth possibilities, isn't it? He, co- he, covers, he covers the gamut from a virgin unmarried to a couple unable to have children. Your prayer has been heard. How, look, I want to believe this, but how am I going to know? Well, here's how you're going to know. You ain't going to be able to talk for 40 weeks, right? And, and, and some of that you can read is, you can read that some as a punishment. And I don't, I really don't see it that way. Right? You've heard me say this off and on. Punishment is something I do to you that's about me. Discipline is something I do to you about you. And I just don't see punishment happening from God. I see discipline all day long, twice on Sunday, right? But, but this punishment, how somehow we offended him and he has to save face in us, I don't think so. I don't think so. And yet... Even the discipline serves as his answer, right? Because you will be, well, let me test this out. Oh, we really are going to have a child. And we know he believes this with these two words, after this, right? It says, he went home after his duties, and it says, after this, Elizabeth being pregnant. And we all know what after this means. It's okay to laugh at that at church. I'm not just trying to be... Funny, and we have all kind of ages in here, but they're married. Come on now, loosen up a little bit with me. We're, we're, talking, about, we're talking about well along in years, he hears the word of the Lord from, from, from the angel. And then I think the more supernatural thing is he convinces Elizabeth. I believe you. After this, here comes John. It's an amazing story that holds hope for all of us on how do you live in peace, waiting on peace. It's where all of us are. We receive the peace of God in Christ, and yet we still have to wait. We're waiting. Every day, every encounter, every month, every hardship, every high, every low, we still wait. Every answered prayer, every unanswered prayer, and that language generally means God doesn't answer the way we want him to answer, right? And we live, we live in that. One, I think it should shake us all out of our worship complacency that on any given time when we come and we worship, that we can hear the word of the Lord.
And that word can change the trajectory of our life. Um, have you given up? Have you given up on a word from the Lord? What I love here is we've got to trust that God is weaving a bigger blanket than just our one square. Isn't it interesting that he answers the prayer of a couple that is the answer to, to the prayer of a nation? That these aren't separate. They're not separate stories going on. It is one story. We're part of one story. And God's answer to us has larger ramifications. How many disappointed nights, how many disappointed pregnancy tests did Zachariah and Elizabeth have to go through before the timing was precise? Can you equate that to everything in your life? How many disappointments before the timing for his plan is right? Because how we, how we manage that is going to be a big deal to how your relationship with God grows and flourishes or how it tanks and puts you in the basement of discouragement and disappointment and disillusionment, thinking that somehow he has forgotten you or doesn't care about you. I've taught you this so many different times. You have to gauge the tone of the voice in your head to determine if it's the father or it's the enemy. And any kind of tone that would suggest forgotten, eliminated, pushed to the side is the tone of the enemy. Any tone of assurance and comfort and encouragement and come on now, that's the father. That's the father. All right. I love, I said when I, um, the Advent is a front end it's a front-end year, not a tail-end year in the liturgical church calendar. It's a front-end. Front when, when you're ready to dial it back and shut it down and just deal with whatever the year dealt you and you're ready to turn the page, Advent comes along and says, no, let's not do it that way. Let's say this was the promise that all the promises God has made in Scripture and all the promises he's made to me, this, this is the time in the year that all of that gets renewed. A reminder. So, Isaiah 40, which um, I believe Fred read from Isaiah 40, is a, is a prophetic passage. So, Isaiah is known as the Messianic prophet. There's more prophecies around the Messiah in Isaiah. I think Isaiah and the Psalms are kind of neck and neck. Right? But it's interesting that this psalm, this psalm, or this, this uh, I'm sorry, this passage in Isaiah is a prophecy about John the Baptist. which means Zachariah and Elizabeth would have known this to the T. Like they would have had this memorized, okay? So it says, it starts with comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for and that she received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. 
In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When John answers the question, who are you in the book of John? He says, he says these words, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. John knows who he is from a prophecy in Isaiah. And I love that his message was to come out as comfort. Comfort all who mourn. Verse six says, a voice, cries, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. That's how mine feels many, many times. The grass withers and the flowers fall because of the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Here comes, here comes this comfort piece. So when Kathy read the passage of the angel's words to Mary, and Mary asked, how can that be? And it's a whole other discussion of why she don't have to go silent. But the answer is that some of your Bible's translations will read is, um, with God, nothing is impossible, right? That's her answer. How, how can this be? How can a virgin become pregnant? With God, nothing's impossible. Or with God, all things are possible. And yet another translation says that not a word of mine will fail. And what's a promise? It's a word, isn't it? It's a word. How is this ever going to be? With God, none of his words fail. Verse nine, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. His, his, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gather the, gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the scope of the Messiah that John is giving. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breath of hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust and the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom? Who can dive deep enough to understand the spirit of the Lord or instruct him as a counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path to understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires. And this is where they got the good wood. Okay? Lebanon is not sufficient for its fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations, all the nations are as nothing. They regard, are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? The way I hear this is, is Zachariah saying, how, how are you going to pull this off? Mary say, I, I can't connect the dots to this. And you go back four, five, six, seven hundred years, and he's saying, you, don't, don't question me. I, I've, I've got the resume. I got the credentials. I got the, the, the highlight film reel. 
Verse 20, or verse, uh, where am I? Uh, verse 19, as for an idol, uh, a metal worker casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Heaven rules, folks. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground that he blows on them, they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one calls them forth, each of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. This one, this one's, this one's now, he's, he gets a little, it's a prophet. So prophets have to do a little, a little scalpel work. Why do you complain, Jacob. Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. Has anyone said that even in the last month? Have you thought that? Right? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Isaiah is writing that in the middle. He is writing that at a time where Israel doesn't even know where they stand with God. And now the big finish. Come on up, team. Verse 29. He says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Some translations also say those who wait. Those who wait. See, see the difference in waiting? Waiting is not a toe tapping, thumb twiddling. It's not an anxious it's not this anxious stir of what will happen. Um, what will God do? What will God not do? And if we wait with this longing anticipation on the Father and his timing as he weaves our story into other stories, we will renew our strength. We started this year talking about renewal. Renewal, for God to renew us. It wasn't just a January theme. We've prayed to the Lord, bring renewal to us as a body. Bring renewal to us as a family. Bring renewal to us as individuals. And here, even at the end of our year, the beginning of this liturgical year, we learned that when we wait on the Lord in hope, our strength is renewed. Notice that 
It has nothing to do with how the circumstance is playing out in the moment. Now I can get happy fast when things are turning in my direction. The key with peace is to be whole in the middle. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Zachariah acted on the promise. There was an anticipation in the promise. There was an assurance with the promise. And these are the very things that you and I need. We need to be able to act on the promises of God. One of my favorite descriptions of God comes from Paul in Romans where he says, we serve a God who calls things that are not as if they were. The key for us is being able to live and believe that what he calls will happen and not just wait for those things to happen. Second Peter 3, 8, 9 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If you wonder why are you waiting so long to return, culture, life has gotten so complicated and hard. I guarantee you every generation since the apostles prayed the same prayer. Life has gotten so complicated. This has gotten so hard. The, uh, the forces against our message are at an all-time high. Lord, when will you return? And his answer to each of those prayers to the generations have been, I am not slow and concerning my promises as some concern can uh, see slowness, but it's my hope to give grace as long as possible so that everyone can enter into the kingdom, but there will be a day when that door will close. But as long as I can, wait patiently on me. Wait patiently on me. Here's some assurances for you this morning before we respond. And I wrote them specifically this way. These are God's assurances for you this morning. I have heard your prayer. No matter how quiet I may seem. Jesus' arrival is your assurance of his return. Live in peace now, for there is more peace to come. I pray that this morning, at some level, is a Zachariah moment for you. And I believe that there's gotta be someone startled, startled by even a message of peace. And you came in today not even, even thinking about Advent. God startled me even this morning. I'll, I'll do, uh, you know, verse of the day through you version, you know, 
uh, Sunday morning specifically. Other days I read longer, but Sunday morning I'll pull it up. And this morning's U version. Did anybody read a verse from U version this morning? It was Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. So I'm going to pray for you and I want to invite you to move. Movement matters, right? We have communion on our left and right. This is a, it's a different celebration, right? It's a, it's a celebration of his death. The manger comes before the cross. The cross comes shortly after the manger. You're invited to come up and pray. When you come forward and pray at altar, it's, what you're doing is, is you're inviting us to come, someone to come and, and lend some of their faith to you and pray with you at an altar. We don't always know that when you're just sitting in your chair, right? You can get someone next to you to pray for you. Oh, that's really, that's fine. But when you, when you will come to an altar, you're letting people know that I want someone to come pray for me. Now, you might not, right? I just want to come and have some time alone. Just tell someone to leave. Just say, I'm good, right? I mean, it's okay. I mean, you know, let's not all make it awkward. Um, Kathy and Fred, we do. We, we pray blessings over you. I know it's an in-between season. You don't know all that waits for you there, right? But he has heard your prayer. You believe he's answered your prayer, right? So let's move in anticipation and assurance of what he plans to do, right? And you're always a part of us here. So Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray for the person that is still struggling with who you are and how you operate. Lord, I pray today is the day that you have spoken to them in such a manner that they want to believe you. And they want to surrender all that anxiousness and angst. They want to surrender control of trying to make all the pieces fit they surrender that to you today father do what only you can do in our lives today assure us of your presence and grant all of us peace in the name of jesus we pray would you stand for worship and our response i invite you to move We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.